GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another episode of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are going back to the Soviet Union by way of Eternia, with a cast of Expendables, and much more with today's amazing guest. And now's the time for all of you in our chat room to begin typing in your questions for him. Immediately after this session, you will have the opportunity to talk to him directly through our private chat options, as well as purchase from our selection of personalized autographs, all of which are available now at GalaxyCon.com. So without further ado, let's lock and load, lace up our gloves, and bring him out. Our guest today is an actor, director, producer, martial artist, and chemical engineer, with nearly 100 film and television credits, including Aquaman, the Expendable series, and of course, the role of Ivan Drago in Rocky IV, and the characters Return and Redemption in Creed II. Today he joins us to discuss these and other projects. Please welcome our guest, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here today. Thanks, man. Uh, it's my first time on this virtual uh, Comic-Con experience, so I look forward to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, we here at GalaxyCon, we're absolutely looking forward to the day when the world gets a little bit back to normal, and uh, we can hopefully host you on our physical stages and get you directly in front of your fans. But in the meantime, we have this format. We are so glad to have you here. Thanks, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So our team right now is going to the chat room, and they're going to pull out the questions for us. In the meantime, I just asked this of all my solo guests. Uh how did you uh, how did you pivot from uh, what looked like a promising career in the sciences into acting? You know, uh, it's a good song. My dad asked me the same thing <laughs> 40 years ago. Uh, you know, I was studying uh, chemical engineering. On a, I was in a Fulbright scholarship and uh, I met this uh, woman, this uh, girl singer, Grace Jones in Australia, who was a big deal back in, in those days. And uh, I was doing some security for her and uh, we ended up falling in love and I moved to New York and pretty soon I was hanging out at Studio 54 and hanging with Andy Warhol, Michael Jackson, a few other people, David Bowie. And I thought, hey, chemical engineering, I don't know. I don't know, it's not that exciting. I don't know if I wanna shake test tubes for another five years. So I started studying some acting because you know I was a karate, uh, Karate champion, actually, European heavyweight champion. So uh, some of my friends said, hey, man, you should be in the movies. You check it out. Maybe you could do well. You know, and I, I started studying acting, and um, I just kind of followed my instincts. And uh, before I knew it, I was up for this boxing movie, and it turned out to be Rocky IV. And, you know, moved to Los Angeles. Uh, the movie opened, and it was a huge hit. And then I got stuck into this business, so... Well, I'm I'm so sorry you were stuck in uh, being in professional entertainment and how it led to films and directing and producing and screenwriting. But I think you've made the most of it. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, I agree with you, man. I would have been. Uh, I like chemical engineering. My brother's an engineer. My other brother's an engineer. But for me, it would have been. I think my life would have been wouldn't have been not even the one percent as exciting as it has been. So. <laughs> I think I mean the right decision. I I think so. And um, before Rocky, of course, I uh, had the, uh, the 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 small I won't call it a cameo, but the small part in A View to a Kill, which after Rocky Four came out, of course, when playing on HBO, everybody was like, "Hey, that's Ivan Drago and the the KGB guy." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was on the set. I was uh, I was there with Grace, who played the bad baddie, baddie girl, yeah. and mm -hmm. Chris Walken. 
Uh, nice guy, by the way. Interesting guy. Uh, and, you know, I was just hanging out and somebody didn't show up for work. So they said, hey, Dolph, you know, the director said, would you want to step in and, you know, just hold his gun, point it at Christopher Walken? You know, I'm like, I don't know if I could. Do, I don't know. And they like, go ahead, do it. And then I was done. And the director, John Glenn, after the scene said, hey, kid, I think you can, you know, you're pretty good. You hit your mark. You can make it in the movies. I... I, I I think he was right. I think it was right in that uh, that seminal role in Rocky Four, and uh, we actually have a clip. Let's go ahead and play the teaser trailer because this was your introduction to my generation, and this kind of what really burned uh, burned us uh, burned our us in, in our psyche. Let's go ahead and roll this. Yeah. My name is Tarago. I'm a fighter from the Soviet Union. I fight all my life and I never lose. Soon I fight Rocky Balboa and the world will see his defeat. Soon the whole world will know my name. Whatever happened to that guy? Well. And this was the part where everybody lost their heads. Rocky Four. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, to be able to for Sly, you think about it, to be able to, to to come up with these, you know, the great first movie and then follow up. Rocky yeah. two is great, Rocky three, four, five, and it just keeps going. And who who's ever done that? I mean, that teaser trailer, what what genius that is. I mean it really was. It, it gave us sight. Uh, it, it introduced us to you, and uh, that led to uh, so many other ones. Um I'm a sta- I'm a I remain a fan and a staunch defender of Masters of the Universe. I I I, I love I love the William Stout's designs. I think uh, you and the cast were fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. When it landed on Earth, it, we should have stayed in Eternia, but uh, I I will always have a soft spot for it and a certain reverence. And uh, well, <laughs> thank you. Uh, look, I agree. I think that uh, it's just the one film I've done that's. You know, it's kind of cute and more, for, you know, it's it's more a family picture and uh, yeah. all the other ones are kind of more brutal. But, you know, I like it. I I, I think so. I've read somewhere that people think I, I you know, I, maybe I did say something negative about it. When it came out, I was disappointed perhaps because the release and Canon Films was going under and all of that. But, yeah, you know, the whole, it was a great experience. And it's, yeah, it's a charming movie, you know. Absolutely, and and charming's a, a very good word for it. And at that point, you hit the ground uh, again, doing a lot of great works. Uh, one thing I, I would love love to touch on is um, I'm a big fan of Silent Trigger. Okay, 
I, I, I really, I really liked that one. I, I thought and, Russell uh, is that with the Australian from the Australian director, right? Uh, uh, yeah, the the, the okay. sniper film. Yeah, the sniper picture. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that was a good story. Actually, it was kind of existential and kind of a bit impressionistic. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, things move on, and of course. Ten years ago, 2010, uh, seemingly the the film behind you, The Expendables, uh, the movie that everybody had kind of dreamed of, were just let's just have everybody in one giant movie and have at it. And and what an what an incredible fun series that has been. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like you know, Sly came up with that. I, I was actually with my fiance watching. We we were just you know surfing the net, and we found I think it was Rocky Balboa. And I know that that came in 2006, I think it was. So it was like 15 years after Rocky V. So he was, I know his career, I mean, he hadn't done anything really, you know, um, big. And then he came up with this Expandables idea. And of course, you know, early on I get a call and, you know, uh, from my agency, so I want to talk to you. And it was interesting because I hadn't talked to him for many years, you know. Maybe I had a tequila shot with him somewhere at a premiere, but... Sure. You just say, you know, don't get the script, you know, check it out. So it's like, uh, got the script and it came, in the, you know, in those days with a messenger in the mail, it's like a hard copy and you know, it had this eagle or was no a crow with a raven on a skull. And then I opened it, page three, it says, you know, Gunnar Jensen, Swedish, drunk, <laughs> carrying a big knife. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's Jet Lee's part. <laughs> uh, look, look at that pack of rogues, indeed. Yeah, indeed. it was a great idea. And I know, you know, they're working on uh, number four now. We're, we're supposed to do it last year, but of course that didn't work out for obvious reasons. So yeah. now we're talking about um, towards the end of this year, I think. I absolutely look forward to that. Um, and then, of course, uh, most recently, uh, Creed Two, which was a, a magnificent bookend to going all the way back to Rocky Four, And I think an absolutely fantastic and I think undervalued performance by you. Thank you. Yeah, some people feel that way. I think it was quite good. I mean, obviously, it hit all the you know spots for me as a person, as an actor in my career, in my life, uh, there was a certain parallel, almost like with Slide, as a parallel to Rocky's life and here with Drago as well. And I think it was nice to bring him back, you know, sort of getting some redemption and getting some, um, you know, seeing him kind of change, you know, what's interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. See him go from this, this character that uh, was this uh, Cold War, you know, propaganda machine and then going to a reflection of Russia now and the di the dinner table scene uh, with you and your character's son and Brigitte's cameo. I, again, mm. I, I, I thought that that was, it was a tremendously uh, understated scene. And again, very cre credit to you as an actor. Thank you. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. It was it was sorely needed, I think, because, you know, uh, for me personally, I, I didn't want to do the part. At first, I thought I hadn't read the script, but uh, I was just approached by MGM, and I, I didn't want to really play Drago again. I didn't want to be, you know, do another sort of 
you know, cartoon character, but it worked out really well. Thanks. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you have you have directed, and uh, what inspired you to uh, get on the other side of the camera? You know, um, about ten years ago, I directed a couple of pictures for four movies or so, and I started with actually, you know, that always been active in working on the scripts, and I was working on the mm-hmm. script with one director, and he got sick, and he, um, he and the producers asked him, you know, who, who can we replace you with? And he said, what about Dolph? And they said. Excuse me, uh, who? And then you know, basically, uh, they got. I got the part. I mean, I got the job as a director in that picture. And then, you know, I, I directed some movies and I had more stuff planned. But then the Expendables series happened, so I did sure. those every other year for six years. And then I got divorced. I moved back to LA. A bunch of things. Aquaman came in the way, and uh, so recently, I, I try to you know. Um, revisit that and uh you know i had this one uh movie i was going to shoot in italy and that got canceled uh financing fell through and then i found this other script called castle falls that i just directed in in um alabama we we got shut down and i picked it back up again last month and um um so i'm editing it now i mean it was it was a really interesting really tough experience to get a shot because uh, we got shut down four times by, you know, COVID. People have, you know, testing positive. Yeah. We had the unions coming to get us, and this is an indie picture. And um, yeah. we're finding now on, on the, uh, I'm editing, and also, you know, I'm planning um, something else for the future. It's just fun, and it's just, you know, a natural extension to try to, yeah, be a little more active in the whole filmmaking process, not just as an actor. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, again, I, 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 I am a fan of yours, both your work in front of behind the camera, and I'm mm-hmm. always interested in what you got going on next. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm glad you mentioned Aquaman too, because again, that was that was a, that was a steam ceiling role for you, very much so. Very, very, very active. I can't imagine what it was, the green screen effects and and, <laughs> and everything else. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a, it was a, interesting. You know, I'm I'm. Uh... I'm happy I got that role. That was pretty cool because I, you know, was sort of hired to play more of a king slash politician rather than yeah. a, a fighter. And uh, um, I know they work in Aquaman too for this year in London, um, shooting in London, I believe. Um, yeah, it was fun because you know, obviously the tough thing is you're hanging in this harness you know, doing 30 takes of, you know, dialogue scenes while you're going to move your legs in a certain way. And if you don't, then you, that take can't be used. Yeah. And, uh, James Wan likes to do a lot of takes. He's a tremendous, very nice guy and very extremely smart, of course. And and uh, it, was, it was a pleasure working with him. But, you know, I was doing some stuff with uh, uh, the other actors, too, or, uh, you know, people just – after about 25 takes, you know, it's like working with Stanley Kubrick, I guess you start yeah. losing it. You're like in the twilight zone and you're, <laughs> you're thinking, what can I use now? And you know, start like, you want to put cotton in your ears like Brando used to do to be able not to hear the guys you really listen or you guys use your smell or you just have yeah. there's nothing to hang on. There's, you know, you, there's nothing there. Really. Just green, blue screen. Yeah. Um, that, that was challenging, but you know, the result is great. And, uh, you know, obviously, I look forward to the second one. And uh, and your first redheaded role, I believe. Yes, first, <laughs> maybe last. You never know. But 
Indeed. I only wore a small little kind of uh, hairline wig. The the rest was uh, added in the computer. The beard was sort of yeah. mine. There you go. There you go. All right. All right, team, let us know we're good to go on our audience questions. So I'll go ahead and say, Mike, let's roll our first one. And it's going to come from Drago's Creed, who wants to know, how much training is there involved in fighting and action sequences? Well, you know, it varies. It depends on the kind of movie you're doing. Like if I was going to do a fight, you know, like a simple four or five move fight in bar or street, like more realistic, that, that can be... I can do that in the day. I can rehearse that in the morning and shoot in the afternoon. But if it's uh, something more you know, extravagant, like doing a boxing scene in a Rocky movie, you have to rehearse for months. And I know in Rocky IV, we were, uh, yeah, Sly and I were training here in L.A. for uh, five months, uh, twice a day. You know, weights in the morning, 9 o'clock, and 2, 2 p.m. was boxing every day, six days a week for five months. And I was in great shape before but it was like at the end of that, it was like Sly said, you know, you, you know, you so appreciate you can't get out of shape after this. But anyway, um, that's how it goes. The last picture I did now that I directed, we had about five or six sort of fight sequences where the um, the fight coordinator uh, he said he, he arranges the fights and they shoot previous videos. You can watch. As a director or an actor, you watch the videos, you watch the fight, and then they have to rehearse it, maybe for about a week. And then we shoot the fights. This is a smaller movie. Um, Creed 2, they rehearsed for three months, I believe. Michael B. and uh, Florian rehearsed for three months for those yeah. fights. Yeah, very much so. So it's uh, it's 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 not as easy as it looks. That may, may be a short version. But Drago's Creed, thank you. Great question to start us off with. Uh, what's next? From Andre, out of all your fantastic roles, do you have a favorite? Um, well, I guess close to my heart, just off the top of my head, is, is the Drago role because of the bookend, sort of my first big picture, and no, I haven't seen a film camera before, more or less. Well, maybe once in the, uh, in the Bond movie, but it was very, very, it was very inexperienced. And then we, we doing the role 35 years later. Um, that was fantastic, I thought. That was really interesting. And uh, um, apart from that, I think, you know, I do like Aquaman because he's playing more of a politician rather than a, a fighter. It was, was interesting and, and just kind of fresh for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Andre, thank you. Great one. And what do we have next? From Alex. Have you studied any languages while being an actor? Well, I had to study Russian for a few few pictures, both for Rocky IV and Creed II. Um, because, you know, I had some scenes in Creed II in Russian. Like, plain Russian, the director wanted us to do it in Russian. Of course, you don't understand what you're saying. I mean, you kind of you still know what it means, but you don't have any feeling on the language, so it's quite difficult. And we had a coach, a Russian coach, this woman come in, you do a great scene, and you're like emotional, you're in tears, and then she comes and says, no, this line, this line, this is not the... And then Steve Capel, the director says, stop, you gotta do it, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna strangle this woman, you know. <laughs> so uh, uh, basically, uh, that was the one language I studied that I can think of. Um, I mean, I've, I've spoken a little Swedish. Um, 
I got a movie actually. I'm, I'm acting in a little submarine movie soon uh, where I'm playing a German sub commander. So uh, okay. I'll study some German for that. But I studied German in school. So that's okay. There you go. Alex, thank you. And what do we have next from Anonymous? Oh, what's your favorite movie? And uh, this could go either way. I'll tell you what. What if if you if you have a favorite movie that you've done, tell us that. And then if you have a favorite movie of all time for personal choice, what would that one be? Wow. Well, that's a tough question. You know, favorite movie I've done to watch. You know, I don't watch my movies a lot. I, I try not to watch them. So what, what was most enjoyable to to make then? Looking back. Well, enjoyable. Um, you know, I enjoyed Expendables. One was fun to to make because I was back with Sly again, and I got to work with a bunch of other guys. Who I mean, I know Arnold, but I get to work with him a little bit, and yeah. like that. So the Expendables, one and two and three, uh, I think those were would have been favorite actually movies to shoot. I think the most yeah. fun because it's uh, it's a little unreal being in a small you know tent. You know, trying to stay warm with, you know, Sly and Arnold and Mel Gibson and Jean-Claude Van Damme and Chuck Norris. And it gets a little, you're in there going, hmm, this is this is pretty cool, you know, yeah. part of this group. Uh, uh, I think everybody felt the same. Everybody were a bit thrown because they're all used to being in their own movies, you know, the star. And you suddenly, yeah, all these other guys. And there's always somebody bigger than you or richer than you or better looking or better actor. But I mean, it sort of evens out there. Um, so, um, that was fun. I mean, favorite movie of all times. I, I got a few, I, I tend to, you know, that's, that's a good question. I mean, why do I, I mean, I just top of my head. I love, you know, these sort of, uh, mythical pictures like uh, gladiator or, or, uh, Unforgiven. I mean, the first Rocky is tremendous as well. I mean, uh, great script. Um, Godfather is great. Uh, uh, you know, uh, probably some movies I, I can't, uh, some more, some later pictures I can't remember. I love Polanski as well, The Pianist. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a great movie. Um, yeah, I think historical pictures to some, I like historical movies because I love history. So maybe yeah. that's uh, Saving Private Drawing is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Some uh, those those some fine selections. So, anonymous. Uh, hope we hope we answered that on both ways. You asked that question. Uh, what do we have next? From Jeffrey, who wants to know, in your opinion, in what ways has the action genre changed since the eighties? What some of the change I think is is due to technical advances that were. Obviously, there's a lot more blue screen and green screen now, meaning you can do more fantastic stuff without having to stunt man having to risk his life, which in the 80s, stunt guys, you know, risk their lives and they get killed sometimes, you know, high falls and motorcycle chases, stuff like that. Um, uh, also, the fact that, you know, same in the same vein of thinking, it's like, you know, when you got Michael Keaton putting a suit on, Muscle suit on, you know, and uh, Batman. That means you didn't have you, you didn't have to train the same anymore. You don't have to have you know perfect pecs or abs or like trying to actually train and take our shirts off and 
you know, in the ring and that you're right before, and there is nothing you can do about it. If you weren't in shape, oh, well, you weren't in shape. And you, there was no, nothing you could do CGI-wise or anything yeah. to help that. Um, so I think that's a big change. So you have, you know, which I think there's like more of a, of a um, uh, blend of genres where, you, you know, you take an Academy Award-winning actor who's a great actor and you give him, you know, give him a role and you can use different doubles and different, ways to make the guy look like a Superman. Whereas I think back in the 80s, if you're if you wanted to play fighter, you wanted to be somebody who could kick ass, you have to be able to do it to some extent yourself. Because there was no other way. You know, you, you can only use a stunt man for so back in those days you could only use him so much because you could tell the difference. Yeah. But I think also you had people like Arnold and Sly and myself and Van Dam and Chuck Norris, guys like that. Uh, Seagal was great. he was a great fighter too on screen and and I think to some degree, there are not too many people like that anymore. Um, maybe there will be in the future. You never know. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Very fair assessment. Jeffrey, thank you. Great question. What do we have next? From Andre, what is the greatest advice you were given as an aspiring actor? Oh, well, I had a great acting coach in New York, Warren Robertson, you know, and um uh, he helped me on the Rocky, uh, the first Rocky Four uh, edition. You know, um, I mean, then I've worked with. I mean, advice. Yeah, I got some advice from him. I got the advice from Stallone. Um, there's another guy, Larry Moss, who I work with. There's an acting coach who used to you know, study with Warren. Who, Larry is great. He works with all. You know, he's the number one now. Works with everybody from DiCaprio, whoever. Uh, but you know. I think it is to, I mean, you have to get close to yourself somehow. You have to, uh, I mean, as an actor, to, technically you have, you want to try to stay true to yourself. But I mean, I think, you know, the, the hard thing is to survive in the business really. So, you know, if you want to give aspiring actors advice, one is, you know, how do you become successful? But the other thing is how, how do you stay alive and don't destroy yourself and don't, you know, you stay around for 30, 40 years. I mean, that's that's quite difficult. So I think um, I've gotten advice. I got advice from my, uh, you know, when I was a martial artist as well. It has to do with humility and respect and respecting yourself, respecting others and and uh, and trying to put out good energy in the world. You know, I think that comes back. So I, I, that's somewhere in there. You have to find your own path. I think. Absolutely fair. Very good advice. Andre, thank you. Great question. And what do we have next? From Robin. Ah, do you have a New Year's resolution? I didn't do I didn't make one, but uh, <laughs> I think I want to be, you know, I'm going to try to uh, be more appreciative of myself, of my own work and my own, what I've accomplished. Uh, you know, I think that is something I'm working on right now, positive affirmations. Basically, a lot of our problems in life and problems in the world comes from not loving yourself. I mean, there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of damage, and usually they do it because they don't love themselves enough to have some something going on. We all have it. So I've been working on that lately uh, because, you know, you're, you're in the business. You may be other people may see as successful, but sometimes you can put yourself down. And I, I'm trying not to do that anymore. So yeah. that's my resolution. That's absolutely fair. Uh, my resolution for 2021 is to lose the quarantine weight I gained in uh, 2020. 
<laughs> yeah, I gained some weight too. I had too much, too many cakes over over uh, over the holidays. Here. I'm, into, I'm into planks. That's a good one. Five minute plank. You try that one. One minute like this. Thirty seconds on one side. Thirty on the other. Back to a minute. Start with three minutes. You can add to four and five. Once you get to five minutes, you know it starts sucking your gut in really good. It's actually better than sit ups or anything like that. All right, I, I I'm I think I'm I think I'm gonna do that. Thank you. <laughs> Two or three minutes is is enough, but I mean if you work wait up to five six minutes, then then it's really it's pretty tough. Uh, I can imagine. So, Robin, thank you. Great one. Uh, what do we have next from Rodrigo? Ah, what was your most challenging role? Oh boy. Um. Well, they're all challenging in different ways. You know, I mean, Rocky Four was challenging because there was a lot of training involved. Yeah, I was nervous. I hadn't done a big movie before. I had to pick up the mannerisms of this Russian fighter, uh, the stoic kind of quality. And, uh, you know, that was difficult. But I, you know, I must say Creed Two was quite difficult because I had to learn Russian. I had like 45 lines in Russian. And I didn't, you know, I know a little Russian, but I didn't understand what I was saying really. So, I had to do a lot of work with a, a voice coach and also, um, you know, I think dramatically it was, uh, it was, in, it was fun, but it, it got close to me emotionally because, you know, uh, the character is so bitter and so, he has so much, uh, so much pain, you know, that, that was, that was challenging, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Rodrigo, thank you. Uh, what's another one? And this comes from Andre. What's to know? What do you feel has been your greatest accomplishment uh, as an actor so far? Okay. Well, as all actors, you know, uh, you never think you've done enough. You always have. You always, you know, slightly disappointed in your own performance and what you've accomplished. And you know, it's that's part of it. But if I'm really fair, I, I guess I suppose one of my Good, great accomplishments is to communicate some, somewhat on my, you know, my soul and my personality and and uh, uh, compassion. I guess even playing bad guys, you, people they they kind of uh, become affection. They, they have affection for who I am, as my soul, who I am as a per- person. I, I managed to get that across even when I didn't know much about acting or maybe movies weren't that great, but somehow I got that across. And I think that's being able to entertain people and, and, and kind of add some spark into their lives. You know, uh, that is my great accomplishment to affect people. I, think. I, I, I would concur. Absolutely. Andre, thank you. And let's do another one. And this comes from Phil. What actor would you want to work with in the future? Okay. Well, that's a good question. I, uh, Look, yeah, there's so many great actors out there. I don't really have a favorite. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, there's like, well, Expendables, maybe they could put, well, what if Clint Eastwood was in it? That'd be fun. That'd be kind of cool yeah. to have for him. I, I actually, I was up at Arnold's house for um, a, uh, was it last year, was it Thanksgiving? Or, no, it was the year before. Anyway, it was up there for his, I think it was his birthday, and you know, uh, you know, we pulled up outside his house, and there's like security, and there's a bunch of nice cars, and then this older sort of 
I don't know, Honda or something is ahead of, I'm in an Uber and they're ahead of us. And this old guy gets out and it's, I'm like, holy shit, this Clint Eastwood. So he's growing up on his own. He's like nine years old, walks in, he still looks good, walks in there by himself, no like assistance and shit. And he's yeah. probably the most famous person in there. Yeah. Uh, everybody was starstruck, of course, all old included. And I was like, it's pretty cool. I mean, who else, who else does that? He's just, he's the, he's the man. So, I don't want to work with him. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I would actually like who wouldn't? So, Phil, there you go. Hey, and a reminder to our audience, if you would like to chat with our guests like I am now or purchase a personalized autograph, you can sign up now at galaxycon.com. And let's roll another one. And this comes from Matt. He wants to know, what were some of the sacrifices you had to make to stay in shape throughout your career? Well, some of it has to do with the diet. Some of it is meaning... You to, I had to be on a very strict diet for years and years to be, you know, get the ripped abs and, and, and all that. And I think, you know, some of it is good for you, uh, but some of it isn't. Some of it puts strain on your, on your system. And obviously, uh, doing martial arts is, is it was great for me, but also put a lot, I got a lot of injuries. I had hip surgery. I have had hip replacements, double hip replacements from thousands and thousands of roundhouse kicks onto the bag. You know, I think God didn't create our bodies to throw, you know, these high kicks to the head, like after year after year after year. Um, this is 40 years I've done karate. So um, I had to make some sacrifices of other injuries, like, you know, some ankle stuff. And so I think those are some of the sacrifices I made. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, I got a lot of stuff out of it, so I wouldn't have done it any differently. Uh, I would say... You know, now I'm a little smarter about training. I'm staying in shape, but I'm not pushing my body as much. I'm being more, uh, more kind of protective of it. Uh, and then now I don't make any sacrifices. I wouldn't call it sacrifices. I would just say you get get more, get more, a little more sleep, and you got to eat a little better. And, and um, not, not not many sacrifices. The main thing are the injuries. I think that you know you 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 can't get away from when you're in that sort of that game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Matt, thank you. Fine question. Now, what do we have next? From Andrew. Do you have any advice for anyone aspiring to be in the film business? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care. Um, any advice? I think that's say, um, yeah, you have to, uh, you have to work really hard at believing in yourself because if you don't, no one else will. I mean, that's the, it's crazy. Even if you're, it doesn't matter who you are. To slice the long, you may have made 50 movies and you're trying to get something made, you go to the studios and they say, well, sorry. Sorry, mate. We got somebody else here. You know, and then you have to reinvent yourself. So believe in yourself would be number one. I would absolutely agree. And I would, I would add on the advice people have given here, where is it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You got it. You got it. Yeah. That was, uh, it was a Jimmy Stewart who said, it's not how good you are, it's how long you last. Yeah. <laughs> and Stewart would know. <laughs> yeah, he would. He was there and back. And Andrew, uh, good luck to you in uh, in your pursuit in the, in the film business. And what do we have next? From Kaylee. Oh, when you're out in public, how often are you recognized? Well, pretty much a lot, you know, because it's hard for me to hide. Yeah. <laughs> if you're somebody smaller, whatever shorter, you could put a hat on and, you know, 
But for me, it's difficult. I, I could put a disguise on. I just think it's a bit stupid. I mean, my my fiance says, "Oh, you got to put, you know, you wear a wig or put a funny hat on or something." But I usually don't care because I, I I don't mind being recognized. I think it's it's okay. I mean, usually ninety nine percent of the comments are really good. People are kind of think it's cool, and especially when you've been around, like we talked about in the last question. Once you make make it past like thirty years or something, uh, you know they're Especially today, things it's like the speed of everything has increased. So, you know, it's very tough for somebody to be uh, relevant today for, you know, for the next 30 years. It's, it's just almost, it feels almost impossible. But I think that's why uh, it's, it's, I don't mind being recognized, but it happens a lot, sure. You know, all, yeah. All the time. It is inevitable. Uh, what's the most common thing you've noticed when people do recognize you and approach you? Is it just. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, mostly it's it's men, you know. That you know, a lot of younger men seem to they say nice things like you know you're the man or I look up to you or, or you know badass or or thanks or you know it's yeah. that kind of thing. Even though I'm, hey, I must break you. Hey, yeah, you're the guy. Break you. That is yeah. That, that was there's some of that. Even though it's changing a little bit now to being a little more. Uh, a little deeper. It's going a little deeper than that. A little more. Hey, you know, you, you know, I grew up with you, or you know, thanks for what you did. That kind of thing. Um, yeah. Awesome, Kaylee. Thank you. Wonderful question. Uh, what do we have next from uh, Asperties? I apologize if I mispronounced that. Uh, what projects are you looking forward to doing? Well, I'm looking forward to Expendables Four, and look forward to uh, Aquaman. There's a sequel to that. Um, those, those are fun projects. Of course, Expendables goes without saying because of all the, ca- the cast. And Aquaman, because it's, you know, it's another franchise and it's something that for the younger people. So it's cool to be, even though people don't recognize me because I'm a redhead with a long beard and I, I don't look like myself. But um, yeah, I look forward to those. And also, you know, I have something I like to direct in the future and look forward to putting that into motion. What's uh, what is your dream project? Is there like uh, a script or a story or something that uh, if you had you you would given a, a nearly unlimited budget? Is there some dream thing you would pursue? Well, as a director, I'm I'm not really that much into like big budgets and trying to prove things in that way because yeah. I, I can already do that. I've done that as an actor. I've been involved in those projects. So I don't know. I don't think like that. But I I think it would be great to do a story like something very personal and also playing like an older character. Like I like Gran Torino. I mean, of course he's older than I am now, but Gran Torino was great. I'm forgiven was great. The shootest with you know, John Wayne oh, um, with films like that, that I can think of even Creed. The first Creed was Stallone's role. was quite good there. Yeah. It's like more character driven, but you know, there, there's something I'm trying to come up with something in that area right now. Uh, we can kind of, play your age but you know still without you know still kicking ass or whatever still making it kind of badass but you know but also a little bit sentimental and, and kind of using all the things that people know about you have seen you on doing on screen before and to, to sort of uh, yeah to sort of make the character come alive you know yeah. then you can hold back a little bit uh you know, at least to start with. Uh, so that, those movies, 
if they're done well, they're so they're so effective. They're like wonderful. You know, yeah. Sure. What a great movie that was! So uh, yeah, it, so it, Wayne was curious because he he ended on a I call it his final trilogy. I call it the Shootist, which was kind of him as a person, the Cowboys, which was like him saying goodbye to his image, and then True Grit, which was his love yeah. letter to the image he had cultivated. I know. Wonderful, yeah. I mean, underrated. That's an underrated guy. Uh, Absolutely. Talking about playing yourself, like they said, that's the hardest thing to do is to be yourself in front of the camera. And there you go. Guy could do it all day. Absolutely. So, Astrodies, thank you. Let's see, what do we have next? And from John, what makes a good director? Hmm. Well, um, I suppose you, you got to pick something that you love, story you love, something you're very attached to, to start with, which is difficult because a lot of times you got to take jobs, I guess, to, you know, to, to prove yourself and to get started. Um, but if I think of my favorite directors would be like Clint Eastwood or Roman Polanski or, you know, guys like that. And it's, they do, you know, they pick stuff. They, they're very close to Martin Scorsese or people like that. So, I think that's what it is. Pick something you love and then you're know, trying to make it come alive for the, for the audience. Yeah, very much so. John, thank you. I think we have time for one more. So let's see if we can close out a really good one. And this is going to come from Esperides again. Uh, do you have a specific vision of what you wanted to give the character of He-Man? Hmm. hmm. That was interesting, you know, because I I'd done Rocky before when I was the villain, right? Soviet, you know, badass, bad guy, and now I had to play this quote unquote American hero for kids, and there was there was a lot of pressure there. Um, I remember I felt a lot of pressure, um, but I think you know he's basically a, he's a good guy. You know, he's just <laughs> I don't know how to put it, but he's 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 wearing the white hat. He's a good guy, and and. Uh, um, yeah, who just who just trying to do is you know do good for the world and trying to be be a good person. I mean, there, there's not like you don't see him home cooking oatmeal and you know, getting up in the morning. And you don't you can't really do the day in the life of he man, but you know, so, <laughs> so you, you sort of just see him more like a cartoon character. But I guess that's that's what I was trying to do, I suppose. And uh, you know, I was I was young at the time, I was inexperienced and and very kind of. Um, I think I was immature, immature as a, as a man at that age to some degree, to some degree. I don't know why, but I, I I kind of matured late in life. So there's a certain boyish quality, I guess, to the character. That it's, that, you know, uh, well, weirdly enough, that's actually the character. He is supposed to be young and, and, and a young, impetuous hero. So in that context, I'd say that was that was correct. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, no, no problem. No problem. Asperides, thank you for your question. And GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with Dolph Lundgren, but it absolutely does not have to be yours. If you'd like to chat with our guests like I have now or purchase a personalized autograph, please head over to GalaxyCon.com. And while you're there, please be sure to check out our schedule of upcoming events just like this one. Dolph, thank you so much for spending this time with us. This has been an absolute treat. And what you said earlier about uh, uh, being kinder to yourself, your body work, I'm having myself and all the fans in the chat room you do have a tremendous career that we have enjoyed. And again, enjoyed you as hero, enjoyed you as a villain and enjoyed you in front behind the camera. 
And again, absolutely looking forward to uh, the next horizon for you. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and uh, any final words for our audience before we go? Uh, well, thank you very much for, uh, for listening to me and my friend here. Uh, and hopefully we can do it again. Thanks for the great questions. And hopefully I'll see you in the movie theater soon. <laughs> Man, I look forward to being in a movie theater yeah. and seeing you soon. We all do. We all do. Absolutely. Dolph, it has been my absolute pleasure to serve you today. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you to our audience for joining us. And thank you all for your great questions. Hope to see you all again later this weekend. GalaxyCon Live will be hosting cast reunions of Once Upon a Time, The Phantom, Ruby, Buck Rogers, and The Adams Family. Until then, bye-bye, everyone. Take care, and please keep washing those hands. Thank you.